Hello. Hello, Jess. And hello, everybody. And welcome to episode 19 of the 361. Oh, now let me get this right. Series one reboot lifeline. And we've brought this back to you just very going to be over soon, over before it's begun, because it's in the second lockdown. In So if you're not listening in the UK, we have a very short four-week lockdown from the lovely fragrant Boris and his idiot cabinet. Oh, oops, shouldn't have said that. And they gave us an early Christmas present of a four-week lockdown. And we thought, well, what can we do? We'll just do four episodes to help you with your tenuous hanging by a thread by this point mental health so here we are and episode 19 is called lockdown fun question mark because is it possible to have fun in lockdown i suppose that's what we're going to be exploring and who are we well i'm alice smith of 361 life support and i'm joined by a fellow member and fellow feminist jess hawks hi jess hi alice hi guys thank you for having me what are you up to? Are you are you in a are you in a fun mood? Are you in a good mood? What's going on today for you? I'm mostly in a fun mood. Um, I am cooking carrot and coriander stew uh, soup in a bit with uh, my mother, so that'll be good. Um, I've moved in with her for a week to help uh, with caring for my nan while I can, while I have the time. And then we'll probably watch something. I don't know what. This sounds really maternal and really healing. And and obviously, if um, listeners have listened to you before, you you have this thing about food, don't you? So you've got the soup making going on. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, so far, it's been really good. We've taken the dog out for a walk in the mornings, just me and my mum. And it's all been quiet and peaceful and really nice. And it has been really, really nice. I'm not going to lie needed well walking is good and and on that note i've got this scarf and it's crocheted and i bought it in glastonbury at a charity shop and it's so nice that even i don't know whether you've seen the scarf jess it's black with lots of flowers but it's um somebody stopped me right believe believe this or not in the tube in london you know when you're rushing from tube to tube somebody stopped me and asked me where i had the scarf from it was so nice and it was a really rich looking woman and I said, oh, Glastonbury, a charity shop, um, four pound, actually. But it looks it looks like amazing. I bought it when I bought a harp, more of my harp later. So um, oh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So I always walk with it. And this morning I, I said to my mom, where's where's my scarf? Oh, dear. She said, go on. You've got to go back and get it. So I dragged my mother like two miles up this country path. She's in her 80s, <laughs> and, oh but it was her idea. But she had to keep stopping, like, to actually breathe. And there it was, Jess, hanging on a tree. Somebody hadn't stolen it. It was there. Well, that's very nice of them. I know. So I ran up to it, and you know me. Well, maybe you don't, but I hugged the tree, and I started saying, thank you, tree, thank you, tree. Thank you for the scarf. And I looked around, and this man was watching me and listening. <laughs> And he looked really scared. <laughs> oh dear. And then I, as I went off, I was going, bye tree, you're my favourite tree now and all that. So anyway, I don't know what that says about my mental health, but but it was, oh, it was a great start to the day, I've got to tell you. So yeah, I'm, I'm into the walks, you know, I like my walks. And that was kind of a, 
really a quite a funny walk. And so that ties in tenuously with our theme for today, our fun. So you suggested this, didn't you, Jess, to say, how can we have a bit more fun in lockdown? And so what, what's the reasoning behind that? And, and, and what do you do for fun? Um, the reason behind that is for a lot of people, especially this time around, you're not going to be as productive as you were last time around because you've gone so long without job security, without financial security, without all your basic needs being met, without being able to touch people, without you know being able to visit people you actually care about. Maybe you've been fully locked down and shielding for all of it and now you're going to have to shield again. And we're also in the dark point of the year as well. And this is when we normally have all the light and warm festivals with the food and the people that we care about, because otherwise it feels like it never finishes. So this time around, and I've had to do it with my own mental health, just take a step back and lighten up your entertainment and pick things that are fun that you want to do because they're fun. And it definitely makes it a lot easier in terms of coping. So what sort of things, let's exchange, let's do an exchange of things that we find fun. I, I mean, I've already said walking and I've I've bought the colouring books back and you can always tell when my mental health's on the slide because I get myself some colouring books and start start to sit and colour. Um, and it, it's it's kind of a bad sign, but also a good sign because I, I know that I need to do it. Um, so that's one of the things I do for fun. What kind of things do you do besides cooking? Um, I watch trash TV with my housemate and heckle it. Like, I definitely recommend that if you have a kind of TV night and you're also done watching TV because it's all, you know, it's not really your go-to. Pick a TV program that is just light and is meaningless and then take an opportunity to heckle it. It's quite fun. Like, (laughs) I find that one fun. So that's that's one of yours. I would say um, I really like dancing, but this is a plus and a minus because this is the first time I haven't been able to go to a dance class since forever. I've, I've always done it all through my life, except when I was pregnant, probably. Um, and I'm really, really missing that. Like I know a lot of listeners will be saying they miss the gym or whatever, but but um, I do. I have taken to dancing around my bedroom. I've taken to hairbrush singing um when i had some good news last week so i i did my the old hairbrush dance and of course there's some online dancing classes that i haven't found many but i've enjoyed that but i absolutely love dancing so i miss it but i'm sort of kind of scraping through with with various it's not quite as good but various bits but that is something i do for fun so how about you um what else do i do for fun well i've just finished my anxiety embroidery piece but I wouldn't necessarily view that as fun like that for me is meditative but crafts definitely so if it's doodling or if it's even if it's something stupid like kind of um ice cream stick art or whatever it is you want to do just find a simple thing and enjoy doing it we talked, didn't we, in the last series about creativity and creating and just sort of, I don't know, accessing your inner kid. Um, I like dress up as well. I mean, I think I got it out of my system when I started dressing up on stage and 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 like 
probably not wearing that much, but I'm having bigger and bigger wigs and things. But I I probably don't do it anymore, but I do it to a certain extent. Like today, I, I'm in like pink velvet, even though I've just been to the shop for a food shop. You know, I, I like to put an outfit together. I really do. And I find that fun. But when I was younger, I used to love just getting my stuff out of my wardrobe and doing a dress up. Do you like doing that? I tend to play around with my makeup palette. So I don't really dress up unless I have a reason to. So um, if it's seeing friends or functions and that kind of thing. But I definitely kind of play around with makeup looks. And I guess that's my equivalent of that. That sounds like fun. Playfulness can save your soul. Why not spend some time and just go back to being a kid? Life is really not that serious. Children have a gift. They're like creative gods. Why don't you just have some fun? Okay, you're scared of being silly or looking silly, but you're probably on your own right now, so go for it. Go back to some favourite childhood pastimes. Here are a few ideas. Eat jelly with your fingers. Snort it up your nose. Play a childhood game. What about hopscotch? Watch something that makes you giggle like a little kid. Eddie Izzard? Watch a favourite cartoon. Tom and Jerry, yes. Very violent though. Blow raspberries, blow bubbles. Do finger painting. Colouring. Build a den. Oh yeah, now we're talking. Paint your face. Do some um, origami. Do you remember that? Ask why to everyone. I don't know whether that would work at the moment because people are getting irritated as it is um make mud pies if you've got a garden spend the afternoon in a paddling pool (laughs) dress in your mother's clothes or just dress up get a big dress up box and dress up and take some pictures have fun with friends make paper airplanes oh the list is endless just get some paint and get messy This is great for creativity, for fun, for lightening your mood, for getting through these tough times. Bring out your inner child, people. Extract from How to Have Kick-Ass Ideas. It's really great, this book. And it's about a guy who just gave up his boring nine to five and became a fantastic creative. He says, a life lived for tomorrow is crappy today. We all have a choice. We create our own reality. So if we are having a bad time, it's likely to be our fault and nobody else's. We can't control the world, but we can control the way we perceive it and react to it. This belief is core to creating freedom through opportunities. When we feel that we have become victims through circumstance and believe that people are ganging up against us, we remain stuck. Each day may be perfect in creating motivation, perfect in teaching you something or perfect in restoring energy. In any case, it's still perfect. It's neither wrong or right, good or a bad day, it just is. With this in mind, you can make the decision to be engaged, energised and optimistic about your opportunities. You're in control, you have a choice, the game has begun. 
He says as he considered his options, sometimes he would become distracted by shiny, pretty things, opportunities that looked attractive, but when he dug deeper, he realised their attraction was superficial. For instance, the world of film and TV is actually full of people who hate working so hard and they don't like their colleagues and they feel unfulfilled. It just looks glamorous. Basically, he says he wanted and what it was that excited him about this was his opportunities. The key to creating exciting ideas for his future was to fill his life with stimuli and be playful with them. He just experienced those stimuli and noticed what reactions they created in him without analysing or trying too hard to understand them. Every reaction gives us some information. Either we want more of it or less of it. If we want more of it, then create it. It's as simple as that. Life is complex and we must listen carefully to what our feelings tell us. You could spend your whole life doing something you love, but a part of you would be ecstatic, the other parts would be unfulfilled. Life is dynamic and balance is never achieved. It's about moving forward to what is right for you at any given moment. Balance will never be achieved because it doesn't really exist. It's all about creation. C.S. Lewis said, the safest road to hell is a gradual one, the gentle slope soft underfoot, without turnings, without milestones, without signposts. This guy says, we've got to create, we've just got to get on with it and think about it as exploration of our life. Work in progress, this just came out. I was lying there just having a rest and then I started to think, create, create, create. And it came out called Create. I'm going to think of another name for it. It might be called Hiss, because that's the best line. Create. Create the hate. And mop it up with bread and jam. Create the moment. Don't feel it in your head. Instead, create another one. Create an image. Create your truth and the labels to go with it. Create shit and call it art. Start then stop because you're bored. Hoard time and opportunities. Hiss the motherfucking time through your painted teeth. Create nothing, lie, create everything, then die. That just came out, it might just stand as it is. I've got my, my harp here, I'm just crossing over. She's called Violet. I'll just give you a little, um, I don't know what it's called, a strum, I suppose. That's Violet. So, yeah, I do that for fun. I am a musical person anyway. Um, I used to play instruments, the piano, etc. But I never did, um, went too far with the piano and regretted that. But now now that's um, that's my mini harp from Glastonbury. So that's fun. Anything that, you know, it's a bit random and it's kind of like you just sit there and um, teaching myself to play it. Um, so, yeah, that's, an, that's another element so so what about the things that you used to like like the gym and for me dancing and your boxing the fact how do you handle the fact that you can't have you can't do those kind of things in lockdown that you want to do I am struggling with that and I have been struggling since the last one my partner's had to put up with no end of me just complaining at him that I can't get to the gym and I finally got into the gym for a week before the second lockdown hit and 
my issue isn't necessarily like the lack of exercise it's the whole going to a different environment that's away from my home environment it's everything about it like I guess it's the gym for me is more ritualistic maybe than the gym rats because it's my happy place I get to ignore everyone for an hour I get to just go run on a treadmill the only person I'm competing with is myself and then I speak to people I care about in a gym setting and then whatever and to be honest um yeah as I said it's something I'm struggling with so I'm trying to get out for walks every day it's not always easy because it's dark and I'm doing I think there's some Zumba online kind of videos but it's not really a replacement and I'm just trying to be a bit more patient with myself and that's how I'm coping with it. So I'm plugging into other things like my art and I'm doing more of that. Or I'm trying to make more of an effort to speak to my friends this time around as well, because I know that a couple of them are really struggling. So I'm just, I don't know, it's almost that acceptance stage of grief where I'm just accepting that I can't go to the gym for a while and just to kind of find other means of meditation because it as I said like the gym for me is almost meditative rather than sport because it's a whole ritual and it's away from the house and I'm trying to make sure I get out of the house as well because as I said for me it's getting out we're coming to the end of this section here so what I really wanted to ask you is could you explain a bit more why you chose to talk about fun and how that linked in with productivity because I didn't quite get that when we were preparing on text so so what is it about choosing fun over productivity this lockdown that interests you um I feel that by having more fun you're more likely to be productive even if it's covertly so you're more likely to do things that aren't just procrastination because you're not sat there feeling anxious about what you're doing you're not sat there freaking out about how productive you have to be and as I said I've sacked off a lot of what I did in the previous one because I'm at a point where I've done seven eight months of you know grafting on quite a few big challenging things for myself and I'm tired and I'm yeah and it is that kind of simple and there has to be a point where you kind of cut off and you stop And you give yourself the time to take a step back and do something you enjoy again, because otherwise what you're doing, it just becomes a chore and you'll fall back into like unhealthy habits and you'll be less productive because you'll be too busy freaking out about how unproductive you're being rather than being productive. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, you know, for interests of honesty, if listeners that know me are listening, they'll be saying, well, come on, Alice, that's what you do. You are overproductive. Uh, you know, and a couple of people recently have told me that I'm doing too much. And I agree. And it's, um, I am, I'm getting tired now because we've got the three recovery programs. We've done three, two or three podcasts a week just lately. But um, I, I can see an end in sight. I can take on what they're saying, but after this week, I am, it's kind of, you know, our recovery programs are over. This podcast will stop for a while and it will be a period for me of resting. And and I will, because I think sometimes it can be really helpful to be productive in, see, for my mental health with PTSD, 
how I experience it is I I go very fast inside and I do like 10 times more when I'm stressed whereas I know other people they they completely switch off when they're stressed um and, and both of them I suppose both of them are valid but both of them have danger signs so people are saying to me now right you're doing too much you need to rest because obviously what what happens is I just burn out if I carry on and and so yeah. that is true but but if I'm okay and I know that I'm being a bit overproductive but I'm I can see a rest in sight then I'll be okay and I don't know I can't speak for people who completely switch off I know people who do and I can't I can't speak for them I don't know what would be the downside of that is that more or less what we're coming to next you think about not being able to get out of bed I guess so like I because I myself find myself like you with the whole um overproductivity as a way of kind of coping but one of the problems is because it's a limbo state for me now as well again like I've just had to put it down because I don't have an end to some of it and if I don't put it down now like it's burnout point hi so a self-care routine that works for me is um I think quite a common one is just having a bath um like and what I tend to do is I'll put some kind of bath salts or some lavender oil, some nice bubble bath, that kind of thing. Um, and then I leave my phone out. I don't take it in the bathroom with me. I turn it on silent. So if it rings, <laughs> I won't hear it. Um, and then I'll take a book in and I'll read a book in the bath. And I find that is the best way for me to unwind and kind of clear my head and feel more relaxed yeah I've, I'm doing a lot of walks at the moment and my dog's a bit too old to walk now but I'm I'm meeting a lot of people with dogs and they're saying oh um the they've some of the people I'm meeting they've actually had a pet in lockdown it's quite strange I, I wouldn't rec- recommend this that's not what I'm saying but people have said we got this dog in lockdown so we could go walking now there's a it's a very strange thing you don't have to have a dog to go walking but I'm only relaying what what people around my way have done and said um that they thought we'll have a dog now because we want to go walking because there's nothing else to do so yeah I know that sounds strange but maybe I'm living in a strange place but I don't know if it's a national trend I'm, I'm willing to bet the national trend is for people to be giving up their pets because they can't afford them it's I don't know because I was I had a conversation with someone who's a dog walker and who works in a vet so they're not a vet they're a receptionist and they've had the issue of a lot of people giving up their pets um, at the start because of the can pets transmit COVID kind of debacle and I think there were two or three very misleading articles that med- led to like mass get rid of the dog type thing and I knew that shelters were overwhelmed because of that at one point but it it is a bit disconcerting because right now we aren't exactly in reality and I think we're going to see more of a trend of people dumping animals after lockdown when they don't have time to dedicate to their animal and they haven't maybe they've chosen a breed of dog that isn't suitable maybe they haven't realized that a cat will wake you up at three in the morning because they want to play whatever reason it will be and it will be that disassociation from real life or their normal real life to getting back to that 
and the realization that maybe it doesn't work i don't know maybe we'll see more people pet owning and a bigger push for that as a culture but I'm yeah cynical. i don't know myself but i ju- yeah because those people who are saying oh i just bought a dog because it was locked down that probably is a bit of an alarm bell yeah that's a bit like i'm buying a puppy for christmas <laughs> but um we're coming to the mm-hmm. end of our our last section here and with i just wanted to ask you for we've been talking about pets in terms of routine mini responsibilities i was calling it um what other routines work for you jess you say you 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 get up and you write the morning pages that we're doing in 361 recovery you have um a cat what other routines do you have i have a pretty stable bedtime routine at the moment in terms of i have a wind down period and then i try to go to sleep it doesn't always work sometimes my brain is wired and it's ruminating over deep questions and part of the issue there is I'm sleeping alone so I'm not coping so well with that eight weeks in but okay but um yeah a lot of mine I've got a pretty healthy kind of bedtime routine so that's making sure that I do my teeth before bed it's making sure that I don't have the lights on in my room very bright I don't have too much stimulus audio not an audiobook I'm listening to a podcast at the moment bedtime podcasts on um like heavy ones they tend to be light and entertaining and then just fall asleep yeah i love doing that i think we've mentioned that before haven't we it's it's really nice because sometimes you wake up don't you and it's still on and you you kind of listen a bit more and then go back to sleep yeah and if you pick like people with soothing voices as well like because they become familiar it feels like there's always almost someone in the room with you which I find really yeah I comforting. think podcasts are are like company they're like we're going back to when people always had the radio on um and I like I like yeah. reading before bed now um and I don't do any of the things I used to do which is take alcohol to bed always did that yeah, yeah that, that was like that was like my mate it would be in a teapot by the by the bedside phone um off social media uh, from eight and in fact i'm trying to come off it more or less now apart from the business um and the more the more days that go by that i'm not on it it the better i feel and also i used i don't know why jess but the first lockdown i used to look at the news before i went to bed and i don't even know why but it stuck as a habit now that has gone because i find the news just too conflicting it doesn't tell me anything I think it's about celebrating every victory, no matter how small it is, even if it's just you manage to finish a TV show, you manage to clean out your drawer, you manage to make a meal, you manage to go on a walk. Um, it's about building up your own self-esteem and building up your own motivation so you can go on to do bigger things because no one else is going to do it for you. People did it for you when you were younger, so there's no reason why you can't do it to your, for yourself now. So a coping mechanism that I've used before that I'm using now we're in the lockdown um, is to write 10 things that I'm struggling with um, and then 10 ways that I can cope with those things. Because I think it's hard for us to cope if we don't know the specific things that we're having trouble with. So, for example, my number four, I wrote constant discussion of news and negativity. And then my coping mechanism for that would be to avoid discussion of the news or negative content and try to replace it with creativity. Um, another one would be uh, number 10, feeling claustrophobic. 
and then my coping mechanism um, is spending as much time as I can outside, sitting by my window um, and getting fresh air. Hello and welcome back to part two of 361. Lifeline and we are on episode 19 and we're talking about lockdown fun question mark uh, because myself and Jess were wondering if it's possible to have fun in a lockdown um, especially with me being sober and all and we've worked out the answer to be yes probably and in this section we're going to talk about accountability so what do you mean by accountability Jess what, why did you want to talk about this what's it all about well, this kind of feeds into the productivity thing for me personally, because there are a few goals I've had to put down due to pandemic. But accountability is methods of holding oneself accountable for things that you have said you want to do, for things that you have to do on a day to day. And just as a way to make sure that you're still on the right path. If that yes, makes sense. So I suppose... Is this more important if you're living alone then or if you're single? Because don't you have built-in accountability if you've got a good relationship? I think it's important for everyone because even good, well, familiarity breeds contempt and even good relationships can slip into bad habits. So I think everyone, it's important to have someone external as well as like internal accountability, but I think external kind of push for accountability makes sure that, I mean, it means that if you do drop balls, someone else is going to spot them. It's not necessarily a criticism. It's just that we're all human and we're all flawed. So what are some examples of this then in your life, in your lockdown? Well, currently in my lockdown life, it's to do with fitness and sports as always. And um, a couple of my friends, it's non-competitive, but we send each other photos of certain things that we need to be doing or post doing them. So one of my friends sends in photos every time they do a yoga workout and, you know, a little nice quote about how they feel about it afterwards. And with another friend, it's about how many steps they're doing in a day. And I also message the one about yoga um, about the food that I'm eating because I'm in a bit of a funny yeah episode so f food and I have a very strained relationship sometimes so that's to make sure that I eat because this particular friend has also seen me at my worst when I dropped I think it was a stone and a half in the space of four or five weeks wow like it was quite drastic yeah it was it was not good um, I mean, I had the heroin chic thin go on and it took me ages to put the weight back on, which is a first. But that was when I first left my partner, because obviously being in fight or flight mode um, definitely changes how you feel about absolutely everything. And eating is just a thing that went. How do you feel about accountability? Um, well, somebody in the 361 Sober yesterday made a, one of those, you know, those stunning points in a group and you just go pow and your head explodes about the fact that they weren't going to drink because they wanted to be accountable to themselves. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. That's a real progress trick on, in sobriety. Because obviously if you're in the AA, you can have this idea where you phone a sponsor and you are, 
that they keep accountability. So you can phone them anywhere and say, I need a drink. And they go, no, don't have one, you know, and all that. But this was this person was saying, I want to be accountable to myself. And I thought that's a brilliant thing in sobriety to say, like, well, no one knows I'm having a drink, but but I'm still not going to. And I I found that when I was living by the sea for three years, because obviously people go to the seaside to get drunk. I don't know why this is, by the way, having observed people and living there and thinking, why have you come all this way just to get drunk? (laughs) But anyway, that's another point but it would have been so easy and no one would have known. And I could have drank all day. You know, my addict voice used to tell me all of this. Um, but so that accountability in for, your, for yourself is just an amazing point in recovery. That's one thing I wanted to say. But another one, one thing I wanted to say was taking on mini responsibilities in lockdown is good. Whether that's just like saying to someone, oh, I'll clean the, kitchen you know and you clean the bedroom and 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 you keep each other to that or you've got a pet you know because a pet I think pets really good in lockdown because you've got to if it's a dog you've got to get up for them you know if it's if it's a cat you've you've got to feed them you know don't you think that they're kind Mm -hmm. of they are a really great accountability tool as well as the fact that you just love them pets are just great for our mental health in general but yeah I think because you have to get up and out of the bed and care for something as much as I give my cat um, stick for being a cat you know he is one of the easiest alarm clocks to get up for because I normally have um, I've been doing the morning pages as part of the courses that we're doing And I normally have about a 15 minute window to do the morning pages in because Cooper sits outside my room and cries and cries and cries. And he knows that I'm awake and it's, you know, get out of bed. I need food. Get out of bed. Uh, Yeah, but I need food, though. And having to actually provide care for something that isn't you. Definitely. I think it definitely helps with the routine for a starter because you have to keep to a routine because you're having to provide another sentient being with routine. But I think it's also extremely important because it means you're checking your ego out at some point in the day and it's not all about you. And it's that reminder that you're doing these things in order to care for other things. Brilliantly put, Jess. I mean, yeah, I used to have cats. Um, and then um, my dog now is my, the third dog I've had. Um, I, I like to think I graduated towards dogs. I'm sorry to say that, Jess, but because <laughs> uh, I, I, I think a dog is, is just like mega responsibility <laughs> and a cat. I didn't find, you know, I thought that was a good training ground for having kids. But then, <laughs> you know, with having a linear life, with being born when I was, it was kind of like cat. You know, I don't think we had much choice, really. Um, we were heading for Armageddon, cat, engagement, marriage, kids, and then may as well have a dog. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and anyway, that's, that was just my lifeline. And a lot of people, my generation, you'll understand, listeners, I know you're laughing. It's kind of, we just had this tick list we had to tick off. Um, and I'm sure some people still do that. But, yeah, this responsibility for a cat or a dog, this this thing, object, person, little person that needs feeding, isn't it? You know, you can't stay in bed, can you? You just can't stay in bed if the cat or the dog is is just moaning at you to get up. Maybe that could be our next podcast all about the news and social media because 
because I would just say, listeners, think about limiting your your news input as well as your social media, because literally it drove me insane, that Trump election. And I thought, right, that's it. And I haven't missed any any major. I haven't missed anything in two weeks major, because the, the theory is that if there's anything really big, somebody you're talking to will let you know. Yeah, that makes way, sense. it's better for, for mental yeah. health. That's all I can say. But we're go- we're going to round up now, Jess. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what else? What else have you got to Pardon? tell us before we go about fun and lockdown? Anything? Uh, just literally, just find something to have fun with because at this point, I think in the year, it's going to be very damaging to continue being overly serious <laughs> and and how about um putting your christmas tree decorations up early that might be fun apparently it improves happiness if you want to do that it's perfectly valid personally i'm annoyed that halloween got uh cancelled so i'm kind of bereaving that but um yeah apparently putting your christmas decorations up early tends to increase your happiness and sense of satisfaction for the year so yeah, go let's ahead do go it. Do. let's let's Enjoy. Our, let's get all our balls out <laughs> yes balls out indeed thanks jess bye for now <laughs> bye thank you i mean i just can't believe that anybody came up with the slogan to be honest when the fun stops stop you'll see it on the front of gambling shops and it stopped me dead actually because I just thought this slogan doesn't understand that gamblers drinkers drug takers have no impulse control so they can't stop when the fun stops so yeah this slogan is when the fun stops and this is part of an article about that the fact that it just wasn't effective and it doesn't work. Surprise, surprise, Sherlock. So a recent study by the University of Warwick has concluded that the gambling industry's when the fun stops, stop slogan may not have had any significant effect on gambling behaviour. Okay, I just feel like I want to say no shit, Sherlock. So um, they tested it and they noticed that um, People sometimes even bet more after they were exposed to when the fun stops, stop than before. And I think this might be because of the addict's faulty rewiring system on the impulse control that they just see the word fun and they they gamble more. Um, So one of the big problems with the campaign, according to this article, and I agree as well, is the suggestion that players should only stop when the fun stops relying on those struggling to control their gambling habits to recognise when things are getting out of control. The article argues, is it realistic to expect such self-awareness from those already victim to the loss of control being warned against? The thrill and fun of gambling can remain even when losing. The slogan is presumptuous in how it promotes the expectation that gambling can only be enjoyable when you're winning despite the knowledge that odds are always stacked in favour of the house. If gambling was only enjoyable when winning, the industry wouldn't exist. But then again, perhaps the solution is simply reducing the size of the word fun. So that article is suggesting that 
check it out, it says, when the fun stops, stop. It's from the gambling industry, so you wouldn't expect it to be neutral. And fun is really large in the middle. And I suppose you could relate this to anything. You could relate this to drinking, definitely, or other things that you do for fun. And could you honestly say that you know when the fun stops and you can walk away? Because isn't that really where we are with the addict? We just cannot stop. And the fun becomes dark very often. Maybe not at that moment, but maybe in the consequences. And doesn't this slogan also ignore the fact that you could have great fun on the night, but then it might lead to relationship breakdown, job loss, an arrest for drunk driving. And so when did the fun stop? Isn't it really kind of a movable? You can't just pinpoint it, can you? I mean, how can any addict just get up, walk away and go, it's not fun now, so I'm going to stop. It just, it's just ridiculous. And yeah, check it out and, and see what you think. What's your view? When the fun stops, can you stop? Hello. Hello, Jenny, And hello, everyone. And guess what? We have Jenny back. It's great, isn't it? Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing great today, thanks. How are you? I'm okay, I think. I'm I'm fair to okay. Thanks for asking. It's lockdown, it's Monday. What more could we ask for? And uh, we're talking this week, we've just been talking to Jess, um, Jenny, about fun, um, ways to have fun in lockdown and how important it is. And also about accountability, creating accountability um, and we got talking about pets, actually, um, saying that they're a great way to take on a little bit of responsibility because you can't just lie in bed. You have to go and feed them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, thanks for coming back. And, and we, we know that you're talking to us more about the sober aspects of lockdown. So I just wanted to kick off, really, with this idea of fun and sobriety I mean can you have any fun in sobriety and can you have any fun in a sober lockdown yeah I mean 100 percent I think a lot of us will know at least I know I used to be like this that alcohol can often be the go-to to have fun whether it's you're adding alcohol to an activity to have fun or if the activity is solely based around alcohol Um, But I think that this can be a really boring and tedious pattern. I know that towards the beginning of my sobriety, I had been getting really bored of just being like, oh, okay, I'm going to have fun today. What am I going to do? Oh, well, if I'm having fun, I I must need a drink in order to do that, you know, And and it would always just be the same boring night or boring day of just... Um, alcohol taking over whatever activity it was and that just being that and I think it's really repetitive and a great thing about sobriety is learning how to have real fun and discovering actual fulfilling ways to have fun I mean something really fun happened to me uh, this morning uh, which which made me think back to Uh, You know, when uh, you'd be drinking with a group of mates and you get into hysterical laughter and you can't stop laughing and it goes on and on and on. And a lot of that is fueled from the alcohol that you've consumed, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I was thinking, you know, I I do 
miss that kind of laughter sometimes but I realize that you don't actually need alcohol you don't even need people in order to have that experience because I had that this morning I was doing my regular morning workout and often I don't want to do it with music because music can sometimes be a bit too much so I'll do it with tv instead and I was coming towards the end of my workout and uh and I was watching Graham Norton and it got to a really really funny bit Um, But because by this point, um, my body was releasing all these endorphins, it got to this funny bit and I found myself in loud, hysterical laughter on the floor in my bedroom for about five minutes. I just couldn't stop laughing because it was so funny and it took me back to that kind of laughter. And it's like, you don't need alcohol to have that kind of fun experience. I wish you'd um, taken a video of this, you know. (laughs) So we could watch it. <laughs> Next time, be more self-aware. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds fun. And, and and also, just we'll just go off topic slightly from sobriety because you mentioned there a morning routine, and we've been talking about that. So, is can you just tell us a little bit more about that regular workout? What what's your morning routine, and why is it so important for you? Yeah. No, my morning routine is really important because it's what gets me through the rest of my day uh you know I wake up I have breakfast um I make my bed and then I get straight to my morning workout and it's just a really great way for me to start my day and get energized yeah actually I remember in the first lockdown myself and Jess we were talking about this and she mentioned making the bed And I know it's going to sound potty to some people, but I think our listeners are going to get this and nod. You know, if you don't make the bed, it's like a psychological thing, isn't it? You know, you could dive back into it, don't you? If you make it, that's it, isn't it? That's it for the day. Is that why you make your bed? Oh, 100%. You have to make your bed every day. Even if you're not leaving the house or anything, you must make your day at the start of the day. It, It it really does affect your entire day if you don't make your bed. You have to do it. You have to always. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. I always do that since I had a period, say 2013, when I couldn't get out of bed now because I'm always scared of going back there. So, yeah, it's funny you should say that, Jenny. Thanks for that. So, listeners, yeah, always make your bed. Listen to listen to Dr. Jenny. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it is a really good tip. So, Jenny's here talking about, you know, about sobriety, but also about mental health in general. But we're talking about this when the fun stops. So, you know, there's this sign on the um, the betting shops and it says when the fun stops, stop. And I know we were talking about this in 361 Sober in terms of fun stopping. So it's interesting that you should say that you thought the fun you had in sobriety was a boring pattern you just said there. So if it's always going to end the same way, it's always going to be, you're, you're arguing, I think, that that isn't fun. It's not spontaneous. So when does the fun stop if we're drinking in lockdown? When, what, you know, when do we have good intentions to have, have a bit of fun? What happens with those, those stories? Why do they change? Well, that, that's just it. That, and that's kind of something that I was alluding to when I was talking about how uh, using alcohol to have fun, it does become a kind of boring and tedious pattern. Because if you look at these, I mean, we were talking before, weren't we, about um, 
quote uh, quotation marks funny uh, drinking stories that maybe aren't actually so funny because when you look at it I mean all of the drinking stories they're all the same story maybe this detail's a bit different and this detail's a bit different but it's all the same story you're having fun you start to have a few drinks and then as soon as the alcohol's actually kicking in that's when the fun stops and it's not fun anymore it's just messy and the night goes to wherever it goes and then the next day you think back on that drinking experience the fun that you were having was at the beginning when you weren't filled with alcohol it's 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 later on when you go oh you know I was so wasted or oh I could barely walk and oh I felt so sick when I got into bed my head felt so dizzy that's alcohol that's not fun the fun was at the beginning before you'd even had the alcohol when you were just having a social moment with your friends yeah I mean just personally I don't know whether you're going to resonate with this but I used to and it's obviously over 30 years I've drank, really, I would kind of have that moment where I clicked off and I escaped and I switched myself off, whoever Alice was. And then I did all these other things that I suppose I thought they were fun at the time, but they weren't really me. And I spent all of that portion of my life not me. And I think a better way of putting it, instead of saying drinking for fun, would drink to not be me. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, for me, when I look back on my drinking experiences and all the things that at the time me and my friends thought were fun or funny experiences, I look at them now with just regret and and shame and embarrassment because I think back to a person that just isn't me. I'm not me uh, when I drink. And if that is me, it's not a part of me that I want (laughs) to see ever again. Yeah, definitely. So, But isn't it strange that we would drink to do the things that are against our, our values? It's very strange. Uh, what do you make of the supermarkets, Jani, in lockdown? Because I've just been to the supermarket and before I got in there, I found out that there was a third of champagne. And when I got to the Satsumas, I could have also put in some snowballs and baby shams and cherry bees, three for five pound. And the addict has got it all in in her head the price is memorized um if ever i want to have it next week if i if i want to succumb so what do you think of this pushing by the supermarkets it's not just at christmas but it's ramping up now it's annoying honestly it's exploitative i mean i'm i'm going to the supermarket after we finish recording this and it's just frustrating every time i go because i really do think about i always compare alcohol to cigarettes and you wouldn't see at Christmas time or at any time big boxes of cigarettes on offer all around different parts of the supermarket with Christmas decorations around them saying, get this offer now, bulk buy it all now. And and it's such a culture in this country with alcohol where that is the case. They're not just sectioned into the alcohol aisle. It's all over the whole store. It's uh, the champagnes in the same aisle as the sandwiches. You know, it's it's everywhere. <laughs> and I just think there, there really is no compassion in this country towards people who have problems with alcohol. And, and, and it's just pushed against people so much in a way that you never would do that with smoking now. Maybe back in the day you would have, but now you would never, ever do that with smoking but yet drinking is so celebrated in this country. It's all over the place. 
And for me, I see drinking and smoking on such a similar level. That's really interesting. And, and so if we push that a little bit further, the, the concentration and the focus and the obsession on opening the pubs as a national policy in lockdown uh, strikes me as strange as well, that there's a lot of things that aren't being talked about, like care homes and and lots of other things that aren't being talked about, if you really think about it. But there's a national obsession with getting the pubs open for Christmas. Is that pushing drink as well, do you think? Yes, I think so. And again, it just speaks to the culture. I sympathise with, you know, these people who are running a business and, and need to make their money. That's absolutely fine. But I don't know if if you saw this video. It was a video of uh, Parliament uh, around July when the first restrictions started to be lifted. And there were mentions in Parliament about um, beauty salons and the MPs all laughed and jeered, you know, because it's so funny that these beauty salons are, are losing money. Uh, <laughs> and then and then they mentioned about opening pubs and all of the MPs were roaring, um, hands in the air, laughing, um, cheering about the fact that they can go and, and get drunk again. And it's just... Oh, awful. I mean, I know never talk about Parliament because everything that goes on in there is just absolutely insane. But it just speaks to the culture in this country. It really does. I agree. And I was really horrified because I think the first lockdown, I had more cravings than this one. I know it's not over yet, but I, I was in I think it's because it's summer, because when it's hot, I, I crave alcohol more. And I didn't really appreciate the fact that as lockdown ended, the first one, there was a free pint voucher in one of the newspapers. And Prince William was wheeled out from wherever he lives in luxury and drink was drinking a pint. And they would kind of wheeled him out as a figurehead. And I, if I was the sort of person who wrote to the royal family, I really wanted to write to him and say, you know, you know, come on, you're a youngish guy. And you're really into mental health, apparently. Why on earth are you plugging, running out and getting a pint? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with getting a pint, but I just thought it was a bit blind of him. But I suppose it's the establishment, isn't it, promoting that that's what you do. You drink, you drink, you drink. If it's And then if you get a problem with it, it's nothing to do with us then. Bye. We want the next lot. We want the next 14, 15-year-olds to get them with this stuff that looks like um, a cordial. You know, have you noticed that as well, how it's starting to be really pretty packaged for the younger kids? Yeah, 100%. And and I think what we're really noticing uh, now is people who are sober is just a perspective that uh, I think people really can't have until they do become sober and 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 get gain this perspective that we have that I think a lot of other people can't see. I, I don't think people really understand the nature of the culture of drinking in this country and how damaging it is to us as a country and I, I think it is something that is really hard for people to see when they drink. Totally agree totally agree and some listeners maybe you know as you think about stocking up on alcohol for Christmas and for lockdown maybe you could have a think are you being manipulated are you being manipulated with those offers and it's a free country you can do whatever you like you can drink whatever you like but we're a mental health um 
recovery service really so we're focusing always asking you is it the best thing for your mental health to be getting absolutely blotted out only you can decide so we wanted to just end really Jenny we're talking about accountability so how can we build accountability if we've decided to be sober or we want to be good you know and limit our drinks but we're living on our own and we're in lockdown well, there's lots of different ways than that. There's telling your friends, family, um, joining sober groups like our group. Um, by doing that, you know, you're starting to build uh, some accountability because no one wants to be that friend who uh, who says that they're going vegan and then a week later gets caught eating a sausage roll. Like no one wants to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, though, the more that you're putting it out there, the more that that decision is resonating with you, like this is right, I am sober. The more that you're saying it to the world, every time you do that, you're saying it to yourself and you're telling yourself, that's right, I, I am sober. And, and something that I've done as well as I have the I Am Sober app, which tracks how many days you've been sober for. And I've said this to you a few times, haven't I, that I wake up every morning and I see that number and it goes up every single day, it goes up and up and up. And I've got to a point now where, I don't want to wake up and see that number at zero again. I don't want to go. Oh God, no. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to go back on the progress that you've made. So when you start to develop progress, you're um, putting that little bit of pressure that you need to act as a motivation, to have that sense of accountability where it's like, I can't go back now because I've got so far. And how many days is it, Jenny? Um... I'm not sure. I'm, I'm approaching six months, uh, which means Ooh. I'm approaching 200 days. Uh, let me see. It is. Da, da, da. Here we go. 177 days now. Wow. And you've got so much wisdom already <laughs> that <laughs> God knows what you're going to do. And I know you you're modest, but I will tell listeners that you've already inspired somebody else to go sober. And so who knows how many people you're going to inspire as you go along. But but could I just, just sort of give you a bit of a thorny question here to finish with? What about the people, and I include myself in this when I used to drink, who lie about how much they're drinking? So how could how could they become a bit more honest in a way? Because say they, they have set up some accountability group, they're in a group and they tell their friends, but they're, they're kind of completely lying and they're drinking a lot more and, and they're not bad people. It's just that they don't want to admit to it. What can what can they do in lockdown? Well, I think that it is very important to be honest with yourself and honest to the people who are close to you, like your friends. Because, you know, in these times in lockdown, I think we're all worried about the people closest to us. And we're worried that maybe people are struggling in silence. And when you're drinking and, and you're not being completely honest with yourself and the people around you uh, that are close to you about how much you're drinking uh, I mean even just the fact that you are perhaps hiding this shows that you already know that there could be a problem here because you wouldn't have a reason to hide anything if everything was okay uh, so I think acknowledging that if you are someone who is hiding this kind of information acknowledging that you are acknowledging why and doing something to turn that around, be honest with yourself, be honest with other people, write it down, you know, have a drinking journal uh, where you can 
you know, track which days you're drinking the most, what weeks, uh, how you were feeling that day. And, and you can start to have uh, an honest perspective of your own reality. That's absolutely brilliant advice. And if you're listening and you're worried about somebody's drinking, why not check in on them? But the I've had people admit to me to have a drinking problem only in passing. And I've never asked them. I've just I tell you what really opens people up when you're really honest about your own struggles. So when people have actually admitted to me that they're an alcoholic or that they they're drinking too much or they've got, you know, they've done things that they wish they hadn't when they drank. It was only because I told them one of my miserable drinking stories about what I'd lost through drinking so if you are worried about someone and you can be honest with them you may be able to open them up they they're not going to open up to you are they if you're being really judgmental would you would you agree with that yeah definitely always approach it from a a caring point of view I mean I know that I have noticed in uh, someone who is close to me before that they have a terrible behavior pattern when they start drinking they start drinking and they they become a very different person and someone who I don't recognize and someone who I don't like very much and I've been very honest with that person said to them you know I haven't gone to them and think I think you have a drinking problem I don't think that you should drink but I have said to them I was like have you noticed um you know how your behavior changes um when you drink is it something that you've thought about before and 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 they said you know no why and and I I did tell them you know I was like I've noticed that you know you start to behave a bit like this or a bit like that um and I've done it from a caring point of view and just ask them to maybe uh look into that and and start to notice that whether they they can start to see that in themselves and maybe it's just that opening your eyes moment to realize actually yeah they're right maybe maybe this isn't very good for me maybe it doesn't bring out the best in me yeah that sounds great and then the people can actually decide for themselves rather than you telling them but but that's that's we've had such a great chat this this session Jani thanks for that and um I'm look I'm enjoying look um sorry I'm enjoying working with you on 361 Sober as well it's going really well isn't it Oh, it's just been great. We have such a wonderful group and it's been going so, so, so well. Yeah, I'm pleased with it. And listeners, if you'd like to try Try Dry, um, which is a, a month-long alcohol awareness, you just go dry for January with alcoholchange.org.uk. You could come and do it with us, 361 Sober. We'll be running for six weeks, so the first four weeks of January, and then two, finishing on the lovely Valentine's Day. How what a fragrant a day, my favourite day in the world, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can find out more on our website. So thanks for now, Jenny, and um, enjoy your shop and put some – Put some drink blinkers on, maybe. <laughs> Brilliant. No, thank you so much. And thank you for having me back. Love it. Bye. Bye now. If you're feeling like you need extra support, you can call the Samaritans on 116123. The Samaritans are a non-judgmental, non-denominational helpline. They are amazing and they're open 24-7. You can call them anytime about anything. You don't have to be suicidal. And they are so good. I thoroughly recommend them. The National Domestic Abuse Helpline. You may need this 
line set up. I think it was set up last year. It's 0808 2000 247. And their website is really good as well. And it has like one of those special buttons where you can escape um, out of it if someone grabs your phone. Got lots and lots of advice, whether you're in abuse, trying to escape abuse, or you're actually out of it, or you know someone that you want to help. It's really great. National Domestic Abuse Helpline, Google that. And finally, you might be interested in Alcohol Anonymous, I can't say it, alcoholanonymous.com. There's a phone number on there, but there's also lots of free online meetings for you. You heard us mention in the programme the 361 Recovery Programme, which is for women after abuse or following bereavement and loss. And we have our next programme starting on January the 21st. It's free. Please get in touch with us. Also, 361 Sober will be starting again in January, running through dry January into February around Valentine's Day. That's free too. Please get in touch with us to find out more. 361lifesupport.co.uk We're here for you during lockdown. Hello and welcome back to part two of 361 Sober. We're on... Oh, the Start again. Brilliant slip. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, it's time for a break soon, seriously. <laughs> I'm just going nuts. Definitely. Hello, and welcome. <laughs> Should we do a bloopers reel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>